welcome to episode 95 of B Boomer Unleashed. Today's episode, The History of Presidential Elections, Part 4, an interview with missionary evangelist Walter Stevens. I'm Jerry Lake, the Unleashed Baby Boomer, and I'll be your host for today's episode and all the episodes of B Boomer Unleashed. Uh, before we get into today's episode, let me remind you, as always, where you can find our podcast. You can always find us at bboomerunleashed.podbean.com. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play at bboomerunleashed, on iHeartRadio at b.boomerunleashed. You can find our link on Facebook, Spotify, and Instagram at bboomerunleashed, and on Twitter at bboomerunleash one and as always, we encourage you to drop us an email at bboomerunleashed at gmail.com. Once again, that's bboomerunleashed at gmail.com. Give us your comments, your criticisms. Tell us what you think about the episode. Give us suggestions for future episodes. And as always, if you'd like to be a guest on the Bee Boomer Unleashed podcast, tell us what you'd like to talk about, and we'll do our best to get you on the show. Well, today's uh, episode, The History of Presidential Elections, Part 4, comes following the 2020 presidential elections. Now, at the time this recording was made with Brother Walter, we didn't have any announcement on who the new president was going to be. I suppose they are claiming victory for Joe Biden uh, as president-elect, but we don't really know for sure whether it's going to play out that way or not. There'll be a lot of court battles, be lots of things going on here for the next few weeks. But uh, Brother Walter Stevens is with us today, and Brother Walter is founder and director of ROMA, a mission outreach. And uh, Brother Walter has been with us at Elmwood Baptist Church all week last week uh, as we had a revival meeting there, and we had outstanding meetings there with Brother Walter and we're going to talk to him today about his mission outreach and also get his take on the changes that have taken place in voting throughout the years. We'll also discuss the delayed outcome of the 2020 presidential election. So I hope you'll enjoy this interview with Brother Walter today. So without further ado, let's go to that recorded interview now. Well, we have a special guest with us today, Brother Walter Stevens, and uh, we've, uh, at the time of this uh, recording, we we're in revival services with Brother Walter at Elmwood Baptist Church, and Walter's been there all week uh, in revival with us, and uh, we uh, wanted to have Walter on the Be Boomer Unleashed podcast today, and we're going to talk about several things today. You know, we've been talking about... Um, the election process and how it's going. So I want to bring Walter on today. Uh, he has an interesting background. We want him to talk about his ministry a bit, and then we're going to talk a little bit about this 2020 election and and uh, God's uh, plan for us and uh, what uh, we as uh, Christians are supposed to do. So, Walter, welcome to the Bee Boomer Unleashed podcast. Thank you, Brother Jerry. It's good to be with you. It's uh, an honor to be on your podcast. Well, thank you. Walter, tell us a bit about your mission outreach. You have a, you're a director of a mission outreach uh, yes, board. Uh, uh, 
uh, called Roma. Tell yes, us sir. about that. Well, Roma is the acrostic for the Roma Outreach Missions Association, and of course, Roma is the politically correct name for the Gypsy people. Right now, a lot of people, Brother Jerry, don't believe that Gypsies exist. If you look it up in Webster's <laughs> Dictionary, it says a dark-haired, dark-eyed nomadic people, which covers a lot of people. Right, but they are a race of people. They're not a nationality because they have no nation. But uh, linguists and anthropologists have directed their origins back to India. Wow. And they left India about 1,000 A.D. There are still some existing there. They're from uh, the northern part of India called Hyderabad. And there they're called the Banjaris. And the Banjaris are the lowest of the Hindi caste system. So if you know anything about Hinduism, right. you've got to die and reincarnate enough to get up the totem pole right. to make it to nirvana. Well... Uh, speculation says that they just never saw themselves being able to rise and not be on an equal with those around them. So they decided to exit and get out of India. So they traveled westward and ended up in Eastern Europe. And because of the mysticism about them and uh, Europe being so very superstitious, you know, they, they didn't really understand who the, these people were. So they became isolated and then in the 14th century, they were enslaved. And uh, matter of fact, I have pictures of, uh, of uh, advertisements for gypsy slaves being sold. And then when the emancipation movement moved around the world, then they got their freedom and traveled further into Europe, Western Europe, and then eventually across the ocean into the United States. And so the people have always been a persecuted people, mostly because of the mysticism about them and not being able to understand the origin of them. The term gypsy is really derogatory to a gypsy. We get the phrase, I got gypped mm -hmm. from that. Right. But they were called gypsies because the British thought that they came from Egypt. Oh. And so they called them literally Egyptians, and then it evolved to gypsies. But if you were to walk up to a gypsy and say, are you a gypsy, they, they wouldn't respond to you. It's derogatory. Kind of like using them. N-word exactly. a black person. So the, the right term is the Roma people. That's how the Anglo-Saxons would pronounce it. But it, we would say Roma. It's a guttural language you talk from back here. Right. So we're the Rom, we're Romania is the entire race. I'm a Rom. Uh, female would be the Romni. And the language is Romanes. And it is a language in of itself. And it's Sanskrit in origin because of where they came from. But they spent so much time in Eastern Europe that they integrated Eastern European dialects. For instance, I'm fourth generation in gypsy in this country. My great-grandparents came here. And I and still speak my language fluently, which is very unusual. Immigrants who usually come to the United States as the melting pot, you know. Right. Usually by the second generation, they've lost their native tongue, and definitely by the third. But because gypsies were so persecuted, they protected their cultural identity. And that's by preserving of the language, preserving of the culture, preserving of other things that make them identify them as gypsies. And so my language was preserved. When I went to Eastern Europe the first time in 1995 for church planning, I didn't have to learn a new language. I spoke the same dialect of gypsies that lived there. And I'm, I'm four generations away from Europe and 5,000 miles away from Europe. So yeah, that was the preservation of the language to, to preserve the identity of the culture. Wow. And so we spoke the same gypsy dialect. So the language is almost international, except for picking up local vernacular. When they put more local uh, words from the host language, then it becomes more difficult to converse. So when I meet a gypsy for the first time, I'll say, now make sure that you speak to me in pure gypsy, right. which is hard for them to do, right. you know, because they have integrated so many different words. 
Now, is there a written language? By and large, the language is not a written language. Uh, recently, there was a man uh, by the name of Ronald Lee, who is a, a, a language professor, and he is a gypsy, and he wrote a book called Learn Romanes, or To Learn the Language. I didn't know I was speaking in grammar until I read his book, you know, right. because nothing is written. There is a course that's taught, it was taught, I think it's still being taught, in uh, University of Texas in Austin. Uh, a man by the name of Ian Ancock uh, is a professor, and he uh, teaches the, the course in language. That's the only places that I know of in the United States where the language is taught. Wow. But uh, it's an unwritten language. It's not a modernized language. There's many missing words. But I have to write in my language so I can converse with my European pastors because I'm, I speak Romanian, I speak Hungarian, but not fluent enough to uh, to preach in it and not fluent enough to write in it. Right. Wow, that's interesting. Another thing that um, you mentioned uh, this past week that I really wasn't aware of, that uh, during World War II, Hit Hitler exterminated a lot of the uh, yeah. gypsy folks, yeah. too. Yeah, uh, matter of fact, there is, uh, I won't quote it exactly right, but <clears throat> in... Uh, in Nazi propaganda, it said that gypsies were like fleas and rodents that needed to be exterminated. That was in the uh, medical journal of, uh, of Germany. And so uh, anything that didn't fit in, or anyone that didn't fit into the Aryan race was, and, and they didn't stay true to that because Hitler didn't, wasn't Aryan. But uh, so gypsies, and of course Jews, six million Jews, hundreds of thousands of military personnel. But if you were to go to the Holocaust Museum in Washington, there is a circular room, and the room is not dedicated totally to the memory of the Roma people, but there's a gypsy wagon in the center, and there's gypsy artifacts on the wall in that room in memory. I visited Auschwitz, and I actually saw the remnant of the... Uh, of the dormitory where the gypsies stood, where they stayed. But uh, Mengele, the mad scientist of Hitler, uh, who was trying to perfect the Aryan race, would perform horrendous experiments on gypsy children and, of course, gypsy men and women. So it is, And there's also a museum in Heidelberg, Germany, that's dedicated totally to the memory of the gypsies who were killed in the Holocaust. Wow. Now, a lot of times you hear of Travelers is traveler and gypsy synonymous? Is it? Uh, is Remember it when I talked about uh, them leaving India and the caste system? Uh, gypsies have carried over that prejudice, and so we have categories of gypsies or tribes of gypsies. There are not by my choosing, but there are tribes who are more elite than other tribes. For instance, when we think about the travelers, we think about the uh, the gypsies of Britain. Right. or Scotland, or Wales, or places like that. Those are more of the, of the travelers. The travelers live predominantly gypsy lifestyles, but they've lost the language. They go under the term Romachel, Boyash, there's a couple other terms, that's tribal names. And there's a lot of them, but they're the ones who will pull up to your asphalt driveway and want to seal coat it because they have some, some sealer left over from the previous job. Those are the ones that we call the travelers. Right. Okay, well, that you know that's certainly interesting. Tell me, uh, you have an interesting background, so tell me why do you think God gave you a burden for these people, and tell us how you got to where 
you are now. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, being in ministry for 35 years, I'm a church planning missionary. God has called me to evangelism, being an itinerant speaker. I didn't look for that job. It, it evolved by the design of God. So I don't argue with God's call. But my burden, of course, was for my own people. Now, burden does not necessarily constitute a call. Right. All right. I believe the call is to preach. Right. And uh, and and then underneath that category, God will direct you to how He wants you to satisfy that call. You satisfy it as a missionary. You satisfy it as a pastor. You satisfy it as an evangelist. And of course, missionary and evangelist is the same thing. We've kind of changed it here in the states. But uh, Paul was a church planning evangelist. That's a missionary. But uh, I served as an assistant pastor in a non-Gypsy church for five years, and I was content to stay there the rest of my life. Matter of fact, I was content to be a second man. I loved being. I teach a course on right. the second man. That's how much I loved it. And uh, But God gave us uh, a great burden of reaching our own people. So in the process of serving as assistant pastor, I began praying for God to send someone to my own people. National Geographic says there's 40 million around the world. United States government says there's a million here in the United States. I believe those estimates are way off, but I have no other documentation to go by than what I see that's being recorded. Uh, but I believe there are many more around the world. There are many more in the United States. There isn't a, a block on the census for Gypsy, you know? Right. And so uh, we began praying about our people that God would send someone. Well, it wasn't long in the midst of that prayer that God said, what about you? <laughs> and, of course, my response to the Holy Spirit was, I'm second man of the Crossroad Baptist Church. I, I was youth director. The youth department was growing, winning souls. I so enjoyed easing up my pastor's responsibilities so that he'd give himself to study and prayer. Every soul that was saved, I felt it was part of my fruit because I, I alleviated the pressures of ministry from him to give him the liberty to preach the gospel. But God had other plans. And so still, again, it falls under, under the category of call. You know, we can talk about what we choose to do for the Lord, or we can even talk about a burden. But, of course, our, if we choose to do something for the Lord, when things begin to get hard, you might choose to be elsewhere. And a burden, why would one people group be more, have a greater burden on someone than another? They're all right. uh, needing of the gospel. So it has to be under a call. So God called me, not because I speak the language, not because I'm a gypsy. And there's a spin-the-globe mentality in missions where the missionary will spin the globe, drop his finger, <laughs> and he needs to be very careful because he'll end up right. in the middle of the ocean someplace. Right. But it's all under a call. God calls us into ministry. Does he speak to your ears? No. He speaks to your spirit. He speaks to your soul. He nudges you. He pushes you. He arranges circumstances to direct you towards that call. And it's all his leading in his sovereign will. And so that's why we answered the call to work with our people. Amen. Was it conducive? Of course it was, because I already know the language and the culture. I didn't, there wasn't a learning process like most missionaries have to go through before they reach a people group. So right. it's a call. So you were raised in a uh, Roma family. Yeah, traditional Roma Tra family. Traditionally Roma yeah, fam family. And um, uh, you were saved uh, when you were an adult. Yes, sir. Uh, 25. So um, uh, you haven't always been in the ministry. Tell us, tell us about salvation. How, how did you come to know Jesus? Well, uh, being raised in a traditional Roma family, uh, here in the United States specifically, uh, they came over here very poor. They came over here persecuted. And so they became to be not antisocial, but asocial, meaning that they wouldn't blend into any society in which they lived because everybody was the enemy. Anybody who wasn't a gypsy was the enemy because it was Nazis who killed them. Right. And so when they came here, when you're when you're asocial, then you won't you won't take part 
in denominational church. You won't work for somebody else. You won't become a part of the system. And so uh, they took upon themselves a business that was of a self-employed nature. And so here in the States, it was carnival work. It was the seal coating. It was the buying and selling of uh, semi-precious metals and body and fender work because many of the gypsies of Europe were tinkers. They, they worked right. in metal, so they, they made rain gutters. They still do it today in Europe. They do handmade rain gutters. But then they brought that trade over and used it. But they wouldn't have a shop. They'd walk down the street, see somebody with a dent in their car, and say, hey, you can fix that for 50 bucks, and right there in the middle of the street. They're very, very uh, resourceful. And uh, at the same time, they're opportunists, you know, <laughs> and so and not in a good way, of course. And so then uh, uh, I, I, being raised in that family, of course, our family was carnival business in the spring and summer and fortune telling parlors in the fall and winter. Wow. And so uh, uh, I, I married at the age of 16, uh, successful in our business and four beautiful children. I just became disillusioned with life, disenchanted with life. I, I didn't like the fake and the pretend. I wanted real. I wanted genuine. But it was foreign to me, Jerry. I didn't right. know what truth was. I was raised in the midst of lies. I was raised as a con man. The, word, the term con, we get from the word confidence. You don't rob somebody with a gun. You rob somebody with your tongue. You right. gain their confidence. Right. And so that's what I was trained to do. So here's this disillusion at the age of 25. I wanted real. I wanted truth. Didn't know what it was. It was foreign to me. But God brought a witness to me a man, and of another society that I was a part of, the carnival industry. And here was a, a carnival man who recently got saved. His life was so dramatically changed that it caught my attention. He said three words to me. You need Jesus. <laughs> and those three words just rung round and round in my head, took the long road to my heart, and then I eventually prayed and asked Jesus to come into my heart and save me, repented of my sin, and they saved me and changed me. And most men at the age of 25, they're looking for success, but I had already had nine years of right. that. You know, so now I'm looking for something real, and God brought the person of Jesus Christ, who is truth, into my life, and that Amen. made all the difference. That's wonderful. So tell us a little bit about the scope of the Roma outreach. What what do you, what do you guys do? Is it strictly church planning? What what and, Predi- and predominantly church planning? That's right. what we do. We believe that uh, a mission agency is just a tool for the benefit of the local church or for the benefit of the missionary. And so we're there to be a catalyst to help both. The deputation process is difficult. Matter of fact, I just got a letter today, Jerry, of one of our missionaries who's resigning and because during COVID couldn't get into the churches, couldn't raise his support, family is suffering as a result of it. Wow. Had to question whether it was God's will, God's call. And so we just got the letter today. He was going to Romania to work with Gypsy. So it's been a difficult time. But a mission agency is just there to help. It's a help ministry. Right. So we try to focus on church planning because we want to make sure that we're satisfying the Great Commission because that is the Great Commission. Now, I'm not all against help ministries. There's a lot of them out there. But I truly believe all ministries should come under the auspices and the authority of the local church. Amen. I don't believe in parachurch ministries. No. So even our mission agency, uh, Rome Outreach Mission Association, is a ministry of Bible Baptist Church in Bradenton, Florida. Dr. Sal Yanizzi is the pastor. And so we emphasize ch- church planting. Right. That's great. Well, you know, Walter, for the last uh, few weeks here, we've been talking about the election process and... Um, We've talked about the Electoral College. We've talked about the differences in political parties. Well, we last week had uh, our 2020 uh, election. Actually, this week, uh, this past Tuesday. Um, 
do gypsies vote? Do they take do they take a part in the, well, the Remember process? this. Because they're uh, social, they don't blend in. They have a driver's license because they have to have one. Is it in their real name? Probably, Probably not. not. And so, and some people, well, how do they get around that? Well, you know, <laughs> you, if you want to manipulate the system, you can, and they are manipulators. Uh, but uh, predominantly, no, they don't vote. They're starting to now, and mostly because of uh, the gypsy pastors right. who are telling them to participate, to be a part of their. So predominantly, gypsies don't vote. Right. Um, looking at, uh, and I've got Walter by about five years. We're both baby boomers for sure, but I'm I'm his elder. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, we're both from that uh, generation of baby boomers. Uh, Walter, do you think politics have changed uh, since the time we were young men till till now? Do you think well, they've changed? I, I think that to, to answer the question if politics have changed, we have to answer the question, uh, is there any absolute anymore? Is truth truth anymore? Right. And there are so variable, so many variablenesses of truth, but there's only one absolute truth. Jesus right. said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But now become, uh, truth becomes my interpretation of it. And as a result of that, it has affected every aspect of life. I'm sad to say, Jerry, it affects the ministry. Right. It affects the church. It affects government. It affects schools. You know, When we start to take and manipulate that which is real, that which is general, gen, uh, genuine. You know, Jerry, when a, when a Secret Service agent is trained uh, to be able to detect counterfeit, he doesn't learn from counterfeit. He learns from the general article. So that way, when counterfeit comes along, he can immediately identify it. It's not the right color, it's not the right mark, whatever. But he doesn't study counterfeit. And that's what's happened in the world today. We study so many lies, we study so many untruths, so many variableness of it, that we become inundated by it and affected by it. And uh, these things that are happening in our world today, you know, really those who are enlightened by Scripture, those who have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, doesn't take us by surprise. We saw the writings on the wall a long sure. time ago. I mean, what did it say when Daniel interpreted the handwriting? Many, many tickle your first, and you've been weighed in the balances and come up wanting it. That's where we're at, Jerry. We're come up, we're short. Yeah. We're not what we're supposed to be for God. So, and so it says in uh, in Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse two. And for this cause, listen, God shall send them strong delusion, and they should believe a lie. Right. To me, that just describes it totally. And we've got the lost world has taken the lie of Satan, hook, line, and sinker. Right. I mean, he's the father of the lies. When we live in a society today that says it's okay for a man to marry a man, a woman to marry a woman, watch now, we're close to putting a stamp of approval that it's okay for a, an adult to have intimate relationships with a child. Absolutely. We're, we're right we're on the verge of that. Right on the verge. Because we're adding more letters to that LG LGBT thing, you know, right. and uh, and it's a strong delusion. It's a lie. And who is who has blinded their minds? Yeah, the Satan. great deceiver. Yeah. For the God of this world, small g, has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So those, that's why we're not surprised. But the, you know, we went through the Clinton administration for eight years. We survived that. We went to the Obama administration for eight years. We survived that. Should Biden be uh, elected as president of the United States? You know what? We're going to survive that, too. Yeah. Here's, here's my concern. 
I'm not concerned about who sits in, in the most powerful office in the land. I'm concerned about the failure of the process that puts him there. Right. That's what I'm concerned about. If we can't trust that when I put my mark on a ballot that, that my mark gets counted, then we've really lost it all. Right. You know, and uh, it's it's a matter of, of, of seeing the manipulators manipulate the truth, and that's what's happening today. Right. And, you know, and we talked about people believing a lie and, and this delusion. I think to some degree... That's why there's so much hatred for our current president is yeah. because he has been a friend to Israel. He's yeah. been a friend to the Christian people. Yeah. He's against abortion. He's uh, not afraid to speak the name of Jesus. Now, is President Trump a live at the foot of the cross Christian? Who knows? Only yeah. he and God know oh, that's that. That's exactly right. But I think that they hate him so much because... They hate Jesus. That's exactly right. They hate truth. That's they hate exactly, truth. Exactly right. And you know, uh, look look what uh, Paul says about his own Jewish people. I, I think it's Romans 10.3. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness went about to establish their own righteousness and therefore have not submitted unto the righteousness of God. Now let's put it in the vernacular of Walter Stevens. They didn't know the truth, so they created truth, and therefore they don't have truth. Right. That's exactly where we are. And you think about the Jewish people. Here comes the long-awaited Messiah. Mm. This is the one they've been waiting right. for. They knew he was coming. Their Bible right. tells them that he's coming. He comes on the scene. They're not going to accept him. Why? Because they have already created a system of religion. Right. They've already created this system of belief. So the system became more important than the truth. Right. And that's where we're at today. Don't give me the truth. My mind's already made up. Here we have uh, the book of Malachi closes. There's not a prophet for 400 years. John the Baptist comes on the scene. Who's he preaching? Jesus. Right. But in those 400 years, the Jews had created a system of legalism that do this, do that. And the Bible says they couldn't live up to it. No. So how should, I think it was Peter who said, how are we supposed to live up to it? Right. So Christ is the fulfillment of the law I cannot keep. But instead, they kept the, these rules and regulations. And so they were deceived. I mean, who was it that cried out for the crucifixion of Jesus? The right. religious leaders of right. the day right. who should have known better. And then he says to them in John 5, 39, search the scriptures. Take another look. Search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. They thought that in the law they had eternal life. And then he says, but they are they which testify of me. In other words, you missed it. You missed it. You saw the letter, law, letter of the law, but you didn't see the spirit of the law, right. which pointed to Christ. Right. You know, uh, Romans 13, and there are many verses in the Bible that point to this, but talks about, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. And as born-again believers, we have to believe that. I mean, God used some rotten people over the years to accomplish his will. So if Trump prevails in this election or Biden prevails in this election, it's God that's in it's charge. It's God, exactly. I mean, did the Jews like going into the Babylonian captivity? Mm-hmm. Of course not, but we know why they ended up there. Right. And and uh, Jeremiah had already determined how many years they were going to be there. Daniel discovered that. 
But in the midst of that, they submitted to the government until it went against the law of God. Right. That's why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego ended up in that fiery furnace. Right. So here's the question we have to ask to the to the Christians today. Would you be willing to go through the fiery furnace? Right. And the answer to that, as long as Jesus goes in there with us, right. sure. sure. If we're going alone, no. No. But as long as Christ goes with us. So there has to come a time when we say no to government. When it violates God's principles, God's laws, God's scriptures, that's when we say no. Yeah. He says it's better to obey God than man. Exactly. And, you know, if if it goes against Scripture, and, you know, so many places, I mean, out in California now, a lot of pastors are being fined for even having church That's services. Right. And who would have ever thought in our lifetime yeah. we'd see something like that? Yeah. And, you know, California's not that far away. No, it's not. You know, Jerry, we, we talk about uh, the liberties that we have. And, you know, we're a bit spoiled. Yes, we are. But I've worked in Eastern Europe, post-communist Eastern Europe. I was there six years after the fall of communism. It fell in 89. I was there in 95. And the remnant of it was still there. And the remnant of it is still there. It's a matter of control. Who can gain control? Who can manipulate? And when you talk about my people, they're on the bottom of the totem pole. So they're the ones that are the easiest to manipulate. It all the question is how naive do we want to be? I mean, why did God call us sheep? Right. You know, because we'll drink the Kool-Aid. Yes, right. We'll, we'll just follow into we'll the just, slaughter. That's, it. that's what they did in the Holocaust. Yeah. They, they got in those railroad cars not knowing that they were going to go to the gas chamber. Right. And there was no rebellion. So the question is, and I'm not, I'm not promoting rebellion and anarchy. No, no. But we have a voice, and sure. we need to use that voice. But Second Chronicles 7.14 says it all, Jerry. Yes. I mean, God says, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves, seek my face, pray, turn from their wicked ways. Now watch what he says. Then. It's conditional. Then. He says, yep. then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. And he's not talking about the earth. He's no. talking about the society, the people. And we need a healing. Yes, God uses, you know, God used Nebuchadnezzar. God used Artaxerxes. These, these were lost men. Now, we know Nebuchadnezzar came, got saved. He came right. to Christ. And there's not many Gentile writers in the Bible. Nebuchadnezzar is one of them, the fourth chapter of the book of Daniel. That's right. written by a Gentile writer. Right. But God had to get his attention the hard way, for sure. Right. Well, probably in a few days or a few weeks or sometime, we're going to know who our president yeah. is. It's either going to be a Biden administration or it's going to be a Trump administration. But, you know, many conservatives are going to be saddened if it's a Biden administration. Many liberals are going to be happy if it's a Biden administration. But as Christians, and if we are to be uh, subject to the higher powers, realizing God's in control, uh, our reaction to either presidency as a Christian has to be different than reaction of the world. That's exactly so, right. So if, if you could give a piece of advice to that Christian who is either sad or happy about what's going on now, what, what would it be, brother? My advice is to the office. Right. Whoever sits in that chair in the overall office is really irrelevant. I have to honor that office. You know, it amazes right. me. I've been to 24 different nations. You go around the world, you can't talk negatively about your public leaders in other right. countries. Right. You know, no matter who the president is, whether it's Trump or Biden or anybody else, we should we should reverence the office. We should respect the office. Absolutely. And that's what discourages me the most. I didn't like Obama as being my president. I didn't like Clinton as being my president. Right. But he sat in the office. And you have to respect That's him. what you have to respect. Because it's God who designed that office. Right. It's God who designed government. 
And you know what? We we talk about wanting change, but yet then we don't put our two cents into to see the change. Right. We and th that's why I said it's not who the outcome of the election that discourages me. It's the destroying of the process that's discouraging me. Right. I want my vote to count. I want to know that when I put a mark on a ballot, it goes where it's supposed to be. And so my prayer today is not necessarily who gets the office. My prayer today is that we rectify this situation because then we're just like everybody else. And then it's a fair and honest election. Whether that's Biden's it. elected that's or exactly Trump's elected, right. let right. it be fair and honest. That's exactly we don't right. want President Trump cheating. We don't want candidate Biden cheating. We, we want a fair and honest representation of what the people want. Exactly right. And I think we had that in 2016. I do. I think we, we didn't expect for, for the grassroots of America to, to come to the polls. But when I saw Amish and bib overhauls and straw hats <laughs> walking to the polls, I said, there's America. America's right. not New York City, Los Angeles. They're just, the, right. they're just in your face. They're before the camera, and so we get to hear them. Right. You don't see that guy with the bib overhauls and the straw hat in front of a camera no. telling you what his philosophy and beliefs yeah. are. But you know what? Hitler said this. He said, if you say a lie long enough and loud enough, the people will believe it. Amen. And that's exactly where we're at. Amen. And so we just need to pray for our nation, Jerry. That's bottom line. Yes, we do. And on that note, Brother Walter, we're going to wrap this uh, interview up. It's certainly been a pleasure being with you today. Me too, brother. And uh, we'll be praying for you and your ministry and your uh, sweet wife Simone yeah. is uh, down in Florida yeah. uh, waiting on you to get home. A little more over than seven days and yeah. I'll be back home. Amen. <laughs> well, brother, God bless you. God bless you Thanks too, again. Brother Jerry. Take Thank care. You. God Bye. bless your listeners as well. Bye. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed our interview with Brother Walter Stevens as much as I enjoyed spending time with Brother Walter. Brother Walter's a great uh, evangelist, a great missionary, a uh, great preacher, and a great friend. And uh, that's about all the time we have for today. Well, one of these days we're going to know for sure, I guess, who the next president of the United States is going to be. Folks, we need to pray for our country. We need to pray for the leadership of this country. But you know, God is in control. We might not know who the next president's going to be, but we know who the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is. And we know who sits on that throne, and it's not any politician. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I hope you'll join us again next week for another episode of Bee Boomer Unleashed. We may still be talking about the election next week, or we may be going down another pathway. But until we meet again, I want each and every one of you to have a great week, and may God bless each and every one of you, goodbye.